Hello and welcome to the Essential Apple Show, episode 4, a show all about Apple where we cover news, reviews, rumours and anything else that's happening in the world of Apple and gadgetry. In this week's episode, we're covering the iPhones may be getting cheaper after a sales drop for the first time, Apple isn't interested in becoming its own mobile virtual network operator, we're looking at a story where iPads and education are apparently turning into an expensive disaster, and... Skype is causing headaches for podcasters on the Mac. And also, we're going to take a look at Google I.O. All that and more. On the Essential Apple Show. And of course, no show is complete without the regular lineup to make me sense in this world of nonsense. So let's introduce everyone and start with you, Mr. Barry Gentleman. How are you, sir? I'm very well, mate. Thank you. I'm very well. I'm down to my uh, my last two days at work before I take a nice chunk of extended leave. And to be fair, I think it's the busiest I've been in the past three months. I think everyone suddenly realised that, wow, Barry's going, let's get as much work out of him as we can before we let him go. And it does take quite a bit of effort to still a copious amount of office stationery, I would imagine, as well. It's a shocker. How many RJ45 cables have you walked home with in the last few weeks? Oh, I've been walking out with switches and firewalls, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> I have really. rubber boards in the works. <laughs> also, as you can hear, there is joining us our Canadian counterpart with the short arms but long pockets. It's Mr. Matt Barton, who <laughs> has been off work again this week. So, Matt, you've had a week off with your bad back. How much money have you spent this week? Uh, no, no, I've only been, I've only had today off. I've been working a week. I've just decided to take today off to do some other stuff for the new bike. So that was all. So you've been so, buying no, stuff for the working. bike? No, I, I'll be, um, actually, no, hang on. I spent about 40 quid earlier on at a part. That's about it. Well, that's, that's a mere drop in the ocean for you. That's not even half a round of drinks for you lot on a night out. Speaking of drinks, our resident man who likes to keep the brewery system in the UK afloat on his one-man mission to save all the local pubs in the UK is Mr. Carl Madden. How are you, sir? I'm fine. Thank you very much. So, however, you are correct, because actually, from tomorrow, I've got three solid nights of drinking. I've got Barry's Leaving Do tomorrow night in Canary Wharf. We've got uh, some sort of friendly get-together drink-up in London on Friday night, and then I've got my all the guys from work doing a local pub crawl around Enfield on Saturday night. So by Sunday, I could very well be dead. Very poor. <laughs> that's a good job. It's a bank holiday then. That's a, that's, I do love the bank holidays. There's something about having a Sunday session. Not that we're alcoholics and we're saying please drink responsibly, but there is something rather special about knowing that you don't have to go to work on a Monday. Anyways, gentlemen, as you know, I was away this weekend and I have a game. It's called What's in My Hand. This was um, this was thought up uh, after I did my 86-mile ride so over the weekend. Long. And in as my head... As long as you didn't say it's just thought up as I was in the bathroom. No, no. <laughs> Although I did, I did write most of the show notes when I was on the Royal Throne. That seems to be where the iPad comes with me. If, I, wonder if there's I was a in the study. shower and this game just came to me while I was in there. You want that? Come again. <laughs> so you were in the shower and this game oh, just came God. to you while you were in there. <laughs> You did unbelievable. <laughs> I'll explain it to you Friday, Matt. <laughs> so, we're going to take this in a quick fire turn where, gentlemen, you have to guess 
what's in my hand. So, Barry. A selfie stick styled on a penguin's flipper. No. Carl. A matchstick. No. Matt. A Mac Mini. No. Barry. A piece of cheese. No. Carl. Your career. Well, <laughs> no, funnily enough. Uh, well, actually, my contract's up for a new one in two weeks. So I get to find that out. Matt. This could be a very long yeah. game. We need a clue. Uh, it's to do with the show. Oh, okay. Okay, uh, I'm going to say a new 9.7-inch iPad. Right. No, Barry. A, a contract for Apple to sell goods in India. <laughs> I think that's on Tim Cook's wish list. More on that later coming up in the show and in the show notes. Nice segue there, Barry. Carl. A microphone. It's in the title of the show. Come on, guys, you can get this. Matt. Um, if Matt gets this before Barry and Carl, then there's Apple. something wrong. No. It can't be an Apple for quite How's that to do with the show apart from the name? It's called the Apple. What do you mean apart from the name? It's That's it. You so just said obvious. it's in the name of the show. Uh, a Nokia phone. No. Barry. A Dropbox folder. Damn you for <laughs> reminding me to do that. Carl. Can we have a clue? There is, firstly, there's no show title for right. us to look at. In the document, what does it say? The essential Apple show. Yeah. And there's, what's the first uh, story in the show notes? I'm practically All telling right. you what it is. Got a new iPhone. Yes! <laughs> God's sake. Oh, my word. Okay, this is probably one of the features that was better in my head. Yeah. Um, yep, uh, pretty much. Have you finally got? Have you finally got a replacement for your broken one? Then I have. Is I it went, a replacement six S or whatever you had, or you gone for an SE? No, they just gave me a replacement six. Bang, job done, no problems at all. I uh, I got there at ten to six. I queued up with a guy who had a massive hole in his ear, which he stuck half an elephant tusk oh. through, called. <laughs> Kyle or something like that. Kyle was that intentional, or he just had a hold of his ear and stuck a tusk through it. Or I think it's lucky uh, shot. Uh, what is it? Something that we're not used to. Fashion. I think that was what it is. Or a horrific safari accident. Well, this is my first time I booked a, a, an Apple appointment. So they're then go make you sit at this overcrowded desk with a laptop on it, and I'm thinking, is this a customer's laptop? Or can I go ahead and tinker on it? So I just hey, went, well, well, well. Hang on a second. You saying this is your first thing? You told us before that you went in there and got disastrous service. Yeah, this can't be genius, genius appointment. Yeah, you told us. No? You said like, yeah, you went inside and they wanted no. some sort of code and some other code thing, and you had to ring up and talk to someone else. And no, that was on the phone. That was on the phone. We had a whole show about that. The no, no, this is the first it. time I've ever booked in to go and have a genius appointment. So hang on. So all the times that Matt and myself have been telling you, go to the store, yes. and you kept saying, I can't go to the store because we were saying, but you get a better service at the store. Yes. You finally relented. And it gets dealt with. <laughs> now, the problem is I might not have been fully disclosing on to how the actual Touch ID button came to be of a not working status. So hang on. So what you're saying is that earlier in an earlier show, you lied to us by not telling us the fact you no, did all this no, on the phone no. rather than going to a store. And now you've openly admitted it on the podcast you lied to Apple about no, how no, the phone got no, damaged. No, no, no. Terms and conditions here. I have not lied. I have merely not disclosed the facts that they did not ask me. So when they said to you what happened to it, how did it, you know, how did it actually get damaged? What did you say? They never <laughs> asked me. Oh, well, that's fair enough. 
they never asked me. I never told them. I went in saying, oh, my, my Touch ID button's broken. I've done a wipe. I've done a restore. I've tried the latest software update. The battery keeps dying after when it hits 20%, it goes 10% and then off. Uh, she, run the, she ran the Apple Diagnostics on it, saw it is out of warranty, and says, oh, you know what? You've got your two-year European warranty thingy. We'll swap it over for you. And in my head, I'm going, Yes! And then, but they didn't even do a signal check on the on the um, the indexing codes. Yeah, well, they did the flashlight and the and the headphone jack. The, no. the it means the bits that get wet and change color. No, but technically mm, gel is. But gel is probably less uh, liquidy than water, so it might it doesn't not. Doesn't matter. No, they would have. That's all right. That's okay. You got the result you wanted, and you exactly. Want, no, but I was just amazed. I'd gone in there and I was prepared to pay, you know, the two hundred and fifty quid to get my phone replaced. And when she says, "Oh, it's okay," you know, European warranty. Now I might, I might have played a bit of a slight blinder because I did book in the last appointment of the evening, so you could just tell that the because it had been raining all day. They were just saying, "Right, yep, get you out the door." Don't like. Hang on, you're in Wales. Sunshine. Of course, it's been raining all day. It doesn't rain everywhere. It it likes to circulate around, like on my ride when. You start off wet, you go over a hill, it's dry, then it's sunny, and then it's raining again. So what you're saying is then, the moral of this story is if you have a problem with any of your Apple devices, go to the store, like Carl and myself have been telling you for months. Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, well, there you go. But was, was that, did we also get a, a sneaky uh, uh, Remain vote there? For, it was this, this European guarantee. Would we have got that if Ooh. we if we if we Brexit? Do we still get that? Oh, very good point. Very very good point. Now you see, if David Cameron comes out instead of saying right, if we leave the EU, your oh, house no, prices are going to drop, your cars going to be your cars going to blow up, terrorism, nine eleven, <laughs> it's all going to go wrong. You're going to be mugged and pillaged if we leave the uh, leave the European Union. If they just said. You have to give up your two-year warranty on your Apple products. It's like, right, that's fine. I'll handle that. Put me in the stay camp. I'm voting leave, by the way. Now, I, I think we should light blue, uh, light Carl's blue touch paper and stand back. No, don't, oh, you're not getting me on that subject on a podcast here because I don't. We don't want to lose oh. every listener we got. Anyone see a challenge? Listeners, I've got, you mean hosts as well? Well, we've we've discussed money politics and religion so we might as well get back to iphones with the iphone maybe getting cheaper after a sales chop <laughs> drop for the first time apple ceo tim cook said the price of the iphone could be reduced but before you get too excited it might not be for a while and i've got some audio here let's just clip that up now one of the issues that comes up with that is that when you're looking and that leads to the sales part of it and the pricing part of it which i'm sure you spend a lot of time trying to think it through the problem is really this. When you're trying to sell an iPhone in India and somebody picks up that phone, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's expensive. Even, even in dollar terms, it's expensive because you have taxes in India. And then you don't necessarily have all of the functionality that you would in the U.S. So you've got an iPhone here which is more expensive than it is in the U.S. with less functionality than it would have in the U.S. And in a country where purchasing power is a fraction of what it is mm-hmm. in the U.S. And that sets up a problem for you in being able to scale it. Yeah, the, the challenge there is uh, the duties and the taxes and the sort of the compounding of those. Uh, it takes a price and it makes it very high. Uh, we, our profitability is less in India, materially less. Uh, but still, I recognize the prices are high. 
What uh, we want to do things that lower that over, over time to the degree that we can, and so we're looking at a number of different things. What we wouldn't do is lower our quality bar, and so we're we're only going to make a product that we think is a great product, and that that means that we're not going to compete in some of the other price bands. And uh, I don't think that's what people want from Apple, though. We, we've never been about making the most. Yeah, you. So that was Tim Cook there on a show, which I'm going to have to go and put in the show notes because it's, it's escaped me at the moment in time. Does anyone really realistically think that Apple... W- well, Tim's already said that they realise the device is expensive. Do you think that was a bit of a drop of the ball for him? Because Did, saying- he, say, did he say that? Because it actually sounded, sounded to me like what he said is your tariffs and taxes are expensive um, and it pushes our price of our product up. I think you could have worded it a bit better because when I first heard that clip, he it seemed to be saying that yes, we realise that the iPhone is expensive, but it's because of these things rather than the other way around. Yeah, I'd have said it was the other way around personally. I'd have said that he said that the iPhone is reasonably priced as to where it should be, but because of the extra taxes and everything else that's put on by India, that's what's making the price such a higher level price in comparison to their own products that are there. It has been interesting that all of the headlines have gone with Tim Cook acknowledges iPhone too expensive without actually, you know, it's that whole scare quote thing. Is there any way for Apple to bring a feature phone with the features that they would want to have in India to India, given the economic climate there and just how much tax they're going to have to pay? Well, yeah, of course, they're a huge company. If they wanted to do that, they could do that. But they're never going to do that. They're about supplying the same products around the globe they're not interested in well they've never shown to my knowledge any interest of producing a phone just for russia or just for china or just for india it's like here's our phone how phones are various sizes various um uh, memory sizes and things like this and that's it now we sell them at this price if you're you know like when they import them into the eu there's there's tariffs and stuff that goes on which is why you know, if you compare what the US price is compared to what UK price is, ours is higher as well. It comes up much higher than a one-for-one comparison because, you know, we have to apply our taxes and they have to import as a tariff for importing that into the EU or into Britain or, you know, into whatever area it's going into. That's just trade on the global scale, unfortunately. And it's if they want to get into places like India where the average wage is a lot like like a lot less but then they'd have to drop their prices significantly but they've never showed any interest in doing that they'll they'll leave that to various other phone manufacturers who are willing to go into that area and and fight amongst themselves to try and get the cheapest possible handset on the market meanwhile they'll go for the higher um higher paid individuals because they know well most people realize the fact that if you sell one, say, iPhone for $700, um, and my other people are making seven, seven $100 phones, they have to sell seven of them, and they, their profit will probably still not be as much as just selling one iPhone, if you, see, if you understand what I'm trying to say. So they've always gone for the high market, and you know they always put themselves as a premier product. Now, it can be argued that they're not no longer a premier product. I still think they are, because the way they market it and you know, the way they use the service and the shops and stuff, and all, the, like the service you got the other day, you're paying for that. You've paid for that already when you bought that product. 
It's the fact that you you can have that service, but you've already paid for it up front, and that's part of the deal. I mean, you know, it used to be the same when you used to buy Dell computers. You'd buy a Dell computer, and you'd get fantastic aftercare, you know, after sale service. But then they leased all that stuff out and they put it out to contractors and stuff just to cut their profits. Uh, sorry, cut their costs or prices, I should say. And of course, that side of the business suffered. So you started going, oh my God, I hope this thing never goes wrong because you hadn't paid for it up front anymore. You'd got the cheapest machine that you could possibly get. Well, before we go to Martin Barry, let me just play the second Tim Cook, where uh, the second clip where Tim does address something along these lines. Either have the great, make that user experience perfect or then compete on prices. And the problem with competing mm-hmm. on prices, of course, is your profit margins start to erode, erode further. And that must be what a lot of people are asking you. Yes. Could you ever come in and compete with Android phones at the 12,000 rupees or 15,000 rupee price point? Again, we're about making the best. And, and that, that, doesn't mean, that means that we're not going to play in some of these other price points. We would never make a product that we're not proud of. Uh, and, and so I don't want to be in those markets. I don't have a desire to be in those. But what I want is, I, I want really the consumer in India to be able to buy at a price that looks like the U.S. price. That would be my, my objective. And I want the user experience to have all the services. Right. And I want to make sure that if there's something very unique in the country, that I've realized that and, and thought through that in the process. Well, I find it interesting there. There was a lot of Tim Cook saying I, as in him himself, rather than the royal we of the apple weeds. Is that anything, or am I just picking up a being a bit yeah, semantics on that? Apple have never said we. It's always been I. It's always been as a personal basis. Has that been a... Is it, has that always that's been the case, or is it... That's or, always been the case. That was the case with Steve. That's always been the case with Tim. It's it's a personal thing, you know. It's a personal company in that respect. You know, mm. it isn't a company you work within. It's you. It's a part of you. It's part of your, you know, you that you're putting into it. Now, I've heard them say we at Apple and we and you know we we think this is the best operating system we can do. We think this is the best phone that we can produce. He doesn't come up on stage and goes, I think this is the best phone we can produce I can produce. Yeah, but that's not so much in that's but that's a different thing, isn't it? That's in the base where there's a collective. So we think this is the best one because that's the collection of engineers that have that's actually you, put it together and everything. That's what you just Whereas asked. This you. Is, yeah, but this is different. This is where Tim is giving his opinion. So in his own opinion, yeah, I believe that yeah, this is uh, personally something that we should be doing, or you know, I believe that this is where we are going with this. Because I think in the same interview, actually, a bit later on, um, I think he kind of finishes it up with, um, yeah, we are what we are. Yeah, we're a Californian company, and it will always be that way. And, yeah, that's how we want it to be. I thought you were going to start saying he's going to start, I am what I am, <laughs> I am what I am. And the rest of that song. <laughs> But it is a bit later in, he says, because I think there's a transcript of it in one of the other bits as well. I don't personally believe in trying to be something that we're not. Even though India is among the largest markets Apple serves, we are what we are. We are a California company. But that was, he was talking about the mobile virtual network stuff when he was talking about that part. Yeah, but it was still part of the same interview oh. piece. It's where he kind of switched it from being I as in me, in my opinion, 
to a collective kind of Apple as a corporation. Yeah, it was very, I can see where you're both coming from. It was a very interesting time to suddenly go from the Tim Cook making the decision, like, I've made this decision, this is what I'm going to do. And then it was the royal way. Just, just to sort of move this one on a little bit, could we ever see Apple bringing out another iPhone 5C, which may hit the price point of the mass market there? Or is that sort of type of what do you mean by that comment? I mean, what you mean? A phone made of plastic? A phone at a certain price point? A phone? Well, that is a phone at a certain price point, isn't it? The iPhone five C, because it was literally just a, the old phone with a with a new skin on it. But they've now see uh, it sold well compared to most people's standards. Unfortunately, it didn't sell well to Apple standards, uh, which a lot of people pointed out. So I don't know. It got discontinued after a few generations. So. And they've decided to focus on the SE. So, which is the but the SE is the follow-on, isn't it? Really? Which is the current the current innards of the phones, but shrunk down to a tiny tiny space. Um, so I don't know. I I really see everyone thought that they was going to produce a plastic phone and it was going to be so cheap because it was for the Chinese market, and it, it wasn't that at all. And then they all said, I can't believe Apple didn't produce a cheap phone for the Chinese market because I said they were going to, and they didn't, the rascals. They made me look stupid. Not me. I mean, that's what analysts were doing. And the simple fact is we've had these exact kind of actual conversations before when Apple first went into China. And it turns out that in the Chinese market, it is still the high-end iPhones that everybody is going out and buying and wants. Do you know what? They don't want a low-end one. And and imagine this. Okay, I'll set you up a scenario, okay? Um, The iPhone, what are we up to? 7X? So 7S comes out in a year or so's time. And they say, and now for India, we're going to sell it at $200 less. Can you imagine the next day in the tech press? What's this? How dare they sell a cheaper phone to some other country full of foreigners and stuff? How dare? Why can't we get this price at these? Uh... It would be that way, or it will be Apple think India is inferior, so they're actually doing them a special yeah, you can't by win. selling it to them cheaper. They absolutely cannot win, because if they change, if they change any of it, then they're changing their entire model. Their, their yeah. story has always been, been, and he said it there, we sell premium products for a premium price. And yes, it's unfortunate that not everybody can afford them. Well, I can't afford a Maserati. But, but that's, that's the key bit, though. The key, the key thing, and it's like, you know, so every, every region's got its, its price point. So when you start to look at, you know, look at an Apple product on the websites, and you say, well, okay, I can pick up uh, you know, a phone for five, $599 in the US, or I can buy it for £599 in the UK. It's like, okay, well, so you've got, you know, you've obviously got um, exchange rates in there and there is like import taxes, this sort of thing, but that's, you know, that's always been, that's, that's why whenever I'm in the US, that's when I stock up on my <laughs> Apple products. Yeah. But, but, but when even you look, that, that depends which state you're in as well, because the well, sales yeah. tax can make it you know, jump even more to what it would cost you from here. Yeah, but so the other so the other thing is that again I think that, that something that, that that Matt touched on was the fact that you know people people will want the premium product and people will buy the premium product every you know look at look at the the um, 
economic spread in the UK. You've got people who can afford an iPhone, you've got people that can't, and that will be exactly the same in India. And that it might it might be it might be slightly more exaggerated because you know what, there's more people there. But you're still going to get the people who can afford one and you're still going to get the people who can't. So why you know people will buy what they can afford. Exactly. There's going to be something over there as well. There was another story um, that that commentation earlier on where Apple looking to bring Apple Pay to India, and that never would have even you know occurred on my register to say, oh, you know, if there was one country in the world that would get it before, you know, let's say some huge European countries would be India. That really surprised me. Well, not less. I mean, because a lot of developing, uh, I know they're when I say developing nations, I don't mean that in a insulting kind of way i just mean you know they're developing their infrastructure and stuff sometimes it's a lot easier to start now than it is to have started 10 years ago and then have to adapt those systems to a current day system if yeah, it, the, technological development if you can just go in and and like start fresh then sometimes that's a lot easier and a lot cheaper than having a ton of legacy you've now got to drag forward into the future uh it, this is kind of why um the american um, cell system is so antiquated compared to what we've got in Europe because because they had it first. It was all like rolled out first and it was big an infrastructure over there. But we came along and it was a lot easier for us to roll out 3G and 4G. One, because we were a lot smaller because we were loads of indiv- individual nations. But also we didn't have that legacy issue to build upon. I mean, certain parts of the UK did, but most of it was just brand new companies coming in setting up like brand new technology. Which, you know, as we want to move on to 4G and 5G, we will start to have legacy issues where they have to drag the old stuff or, you know, still support it while people are still lagging behind. Um, So when you go into a country that's developing now and you can put in a whole fresh raft of technologies, sometimes that works out a lot cheaper. So it might be a lot easier for Apple to set up Apple Pay and banks and, and various financial institutions to put in NFC straight away at the till because there's no legacy issue for them to worry about. Yeah, but perfect example of that is Africa. Because Africa is is very much in that basis where you now go to places in Africa and the surrounding areas where they're all running on super high powered fiber because they've never had anything until the last couple of years. So once they started to put it in, they put in the best that was available now. And they've got bandwidth ratios that are kind of four times higher than we have here in the US. And there was also one of the first countries to start using their phones to pay bills and pay each other Uh off because there was no, you know, established financial things like we've got, like big creaking fact infrastructures that had to be updated to allow this modern day of currency, this Mm. modern currency. So they was able to like quickly adapt these new uh, mobile payment systems and they just, they just flourish, they spread, and they become, you know, virtually everywhere. And all you needed was a cheap phone that you could text someone on, and you could send them money. Yeah, I mean, Mark moans about going to the Apple store near him when it's like what thirty miles away from you, Mark, to drive. No, three hours. Okay, three hours. Right. Imagine you're in Africa, and the nearest actual cell phone, um, the nearest ATM is you know four hundred miles away from you, and you've got to get there on foot. I just like to point out, thirty miles is three hours in London. Yeah, it can be at times. It was for me on Monday, so I know. It does raise an I remember going for a job interview last year for a company that was dealing with uh, microtransactions in what they were calling emerging markets, i.e., you know, like the slums and, uh, you know, the 
underdeveloped part of the developing world, should we say, to put it politically correct. And now I think on it, it makes sense that Apple Pay would work because they deal with so many microtransactions in a day, you know, small amounts going here, there and everywhere. And there was a big push by the banks to sort of have some auditing system, you know, to make sure that money was being saved, looked after, not being stolen. And I suppose in a way, if you bring Apple Pay, it gives you a nice, secure solution to an absolutely massive problem. Exactly. Yeah, Google, like Google trying to push their Google money, uh, Google Pay as well. And Samsung have got their one going on. So they're all trying to get into the same field. It's another one, you know, there's no vast amounts of money they're making from it, but every t- every transaction they're making a few micro pence, I suppose. Um, I use I use mine all the time. I, I, you know, I did see a report that, again, rather bombastic headline, Apple Pay is a failure because only 20% of people are using it. Well, hang yes, okay. 20% of 100 isn't much. 20% of of what is it 57 million handsets is quite a large chunk and it's it's all it's all about scalability and and you know whenever you see it's again this is another i learned most of my life lessons from yes minister and yes prime minister okay because he says like you can say a percentage doesn't a percentage doesn't mean anything it's just it sounds like you can even make it sound a lot you can make it sound like nothing but you can say like oh some only one percent of people get this service and if it's like 100 people, that's one person. But if that's 100 million people and it's only 1%, then that's slightly more. And, you know, so, you know, when you, when you talk about companies like Google and Facebook and Apple, um, just remember, even 1% is a massive amount of people, a huge amount of people. So if a company's ever in a chart in the place of 20%, which, you know, supposedly is what the penetration of Apple pay, just remember, that's not just 20%. Oh, that's hardly anything. That is 20% of millions and millions and millions and millions of people. When they say when they said that figure, 20%, was it 20% of the iPhone user base or uh, contactless payments in general in the UK? What was that 20% based on? It was just phones that could use it. It was, the, um, it was Apple devices that could use Apple Pay. That's not bad, considering there's still a lot of friction for people to trust. Oh no, yeah, you'll be, you'll be surprised. A lot of people I know who have the stuff. Um, there's a guy at work who's recently got an Apple Watch, and I said, "Have you set up Apple Pay on it?" And he goes, "What's that?" And you know, that's that is a problem that they're going to have to overcome at some point. I mean, not everybody knows, you know, a, a friendly geek to show them how to set these things up. And when it comes to pay and credit cards and stuff, they might not want anyone looking over their shoulder as they set these things up. Um, I freaked somebody out at a coffee shop and it's exactly like that this afternoon because I went to pay and I said, to, oh, do you have contact this? And she went, oh, yeah. And I just put my watch on the side of it to pay for the coffee. And she was like, what happened? What did you do? Why did they do that? <laughs> and that's the thing. See, look, that's someone who's in retail. They should know. But they've had no training. And it's still it's still really weird because how long has it been out now? How long's it? Over, over a year, right, isn't it? How yeah. Long, I'm not sure how long it's been. Um, but, um, nearly a year and a half now. Okay. But I used it the other day at a garage. And they were still delighted by the sheer, the, just the basic transaction on the other side of the till. They went, oh, that was clever. With a big <laughs> smile on their face. And I'm thinking, but where have you been for the last year? And, you know, it's just one of those things. It's very, very slow. Has anybody said to you, was that magic? <laughs> <laughs> no, but they're always impressed by it. 
Which I have quite, had it where fun. I've used it to be done, so I'm done quicker and end up spending longer there than I would have yeah. got to pay by cash because I'm just explaining to them how it does it and what it all does and everything else. As I, as I said, when I first got it, the first place I tried was my offie down the road. Right? He's only literally got over the fact that I use it. And it's because every single time he smiled as he handed me my little paper <laughs> receipt back. And I said, you don't need to give me that. He goes, I know. And contactless is kinder to the environment, did you know? Because you only produce one receipt. So if you think those tw- 20% of iPhone, of you know, Apple-capable payment devices, they're using 20% less paper. And that works out to be, you know, that's quite a huge saving. But, uh, Actually, we- a lot of them that use Apple Pay now don't give you a receipt at all. They've started to do it now. So if you're doing Apple Pay, you don't get a receipt because you can get one automatically through your Apple account. But this whole thing about saving the planet for the children, have you met today's children? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I don't why, think it means today's children. Why are we bothering? Why are we bothering? Children. It's a generation that is too lazy to type OK. They have to type KK. That winds so, me. generation that have no discipline whatsoever oh listen to us now how should be wiped off the planet and we should start again have we descended into this so quickly god we're that age i'm gonna bed this with a step to step to and son soundtrack underneath it speaking of resident old codgers barry what you (laughs) i always kept it straight really you are the oldest one here dude i was about to say that mate you are the oldest one here i am i am before your memory fades you, because you're obviously heading into that time of your life where things are going to start being a bit hazy, you work in Barclays as a network or used to work before they put you out to pasture. Was there any sort what was the sort of, did you ever pick up on any feelings or sentiments around, you know, contactless payments? Was it much of a muchness or anything like that from, you know, the actual banking types themselves? Not really, because... Because obviously it's a big firm, and you get you know you get app, app development teams which will work on particular things at particular times, and so, um, so was it B Pay, wasn't it? Was the was the Barclays oh, thing? Lord, yeah. Uh-huh. And so we, yeah, you know, I wondered if they all got laid off with you as well, bearing in mind <laughs> that you finally bombed and they went to Apple Pay. <laughs> so, so again, it's the thing, you know, it, it, it's yeah. You know, the first I actually knew about B Pay was when there was an announcement on the internet saying, "Get your." Get your wristband or get your thing and use get B-Pay your obsolete and, technology now. Yeah, and it, so it was a bit okay. Well, so you know, I was. I it was nice to see they've they've done something, but it it surprised me that they hadn't jumped on the bandwagon for something that was already there. I think that I think that that's what you know Barclays can can fall into that trap now and again, where if. You know, if there's something off the shelf that works, but some some piece of management structure has said, but I've bet my job on this, so we need to follow this through, we need to produce this, and then they go, oh, yeah, look, look, look what we did. Yay. That's so, every company. That's yeah, every so company I've to, ever known. That. So we needed but, um, to spearhead an initiative. Yeah. Yeah. But so, so I, I mean, the, the piece... One of the bits of work that I was, I was pretty proud of was the, the um, like the cue busting technology on iPads in Branch, and I, I I I designed the network that allowed allowed that you know those things to happen. So that was pretty cool, and I've done just done another another piece of work recently to enable um, an application to work, which is for. Um, 
it's a, basically a video chat to for for um, hard of hearing customers, and where they you know you they they speak and they will sign back sign back to the people what um you know the conversation. So it's so it's doing it's doing a lot. But um, yeah, in two days' time, not my problem. <laughs> well, I suppose with that sort of stuff, you know, when you're hearing goes, you're kind of really investing in your own future a bit, Barry. You know what? With, you I, know? I am. I am. Hey, uh, and he's going to learn sign language next week. Give me some, yeah. something to do. I think yeah, Barry's I, I, just about to give me a very special type of sign language if I keep going like this on the <laughs> webcam in a minute. No, no, it's right. No, I was just um, why? Yeah, why is I've that had an a upside wee. down pyramid? <laughs> I don't get the I don't get the symbolism of the upside down pyramid. Anywho's, did um did anyone get to see? I posted another story in the show notes about that prototype iPhone six with switchboard operating system. Did anyone get to see that before it got pulled off eBay? They always get pulled off eBay. There was another one before this that got pulled off. They you're just not allowed to sell that sort of stuff on eBay because firstly, you there's no guarantee it's legitimate uh, because it could just be a knockoff from China, which has happened a lot. Um, and I I think it's it's something about the rule because it's very firstly whoever owns the phone or had the phone originally like apple never give up their prototype as far as i'm aware i mean matt could tell me i'm wrong so it's not theirs to sell so you cannot sell stuff that you do not own if you know it doesn't matter the only way you've got a prototype iphone is if you've stolen it from exactly you just cannot sell stuff like that on ebay it's just against the rules i'm afraid and of course as soon as it hits the press someone's going to take notice at that point. You, you know, if you're quiet and you can get away with it for a little while, it will stay on eBay. As soon as it becomes a national, well, a tech story and it hits various blogs, someone will go, really? That's on our system? That will come off. And that, yeah, well, they got, they got proved, didn't they? It was a Chinese knockoff. It was a Chinese yeah. replica. Well, see, you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it, I don't think it was on eBay very long, was it? It kind of went on, and then as soon as it kind of actually went out and someone <laughs> noticed it, it was like, oh, it's gone already then. Yeah, it's just, it, you can't you can't do that, unless it's legitimate, unless it's like Apple getting rid of um, an Apple One or an Apple Two or something. But, you know, they don't go to eBay, they go to Sotheby's, for God's sake. I mean, come on. <laughs> so, Matt, being our resident Apple guy then, can you confirm or deny that Switchboard was an actual legit operating system, or is that just common knowledge and something I didn't know? I couldn't possibly comment. Oh no! I mean, they must have some internal system tool, you know, rather than what we get. Because obviously, if they're testing systems, they got to have some software that's an actual testing software, rather than. There's a lot of software yeah, of that you guys is. never see. That's, yeah, it has uh, to be. There's a lot of <laughs> internal apps that, again, that you only that you'll just have on the actual iPhones that are in store, um, and the ones that the guys that actually the concierge that you have in the Apple stores have as well. There is so many different variations and alterations between retail, Apple retail, to mothership, to workshops, to the engineers. So there is different variations across the board. It's, there isn't like one main kind of bit, which is just, well, not in the sense you're thinking, not in what you're kind of talking I'd about, with that kind of thing. I'm amazed if engineers go, oh, look, this one's gone wrong. Okay. Settings. General. <laughs> Where is it? I know it's his Siri. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. I mean, I don't know what it's called. I think they I think no, I says I think they've all got weird names and stuff. Um 
switchboard. I don't know. It's, it's a very different switch... codex to what I'm sure. I'm sure you could Google it and find that out. I'm sure that's not a secret. Just the name of the software they use. Well, like you say, it's not it's not exactly the first time we haven't seen something like this. When when I saw that story, I was going to post it on the website, but then it's like, well, what is it to see? What is it to say that it wasn't just a jailbroken iPhone with some dodgy looking icons? Because we have seen some developer screenshots of um, of you know what Apple supposedly use internally. Well, the other way you could a bit of a scam is because the first people, the first few people who were bidding on it to start getting the prices up had one purchase in the history of eBay. Always a bit of a giveaway, that one. Oh, that's, that's, that's what I was asking. I didn't, unfortunately, I didn't get to see the, um, the actual auction. Uh, I was too busy uh, trying to get the story up. Um, let's move away from no, the iPhone. I was busy trying to get money together to buy it. That's what it was. <laughs> well, it's got a red lightning port. And blimey, Apple sold, what is it, the red iPhone for like a million pounds or something like that for charity? Bit of a difference. You didn't get Johnny Ive design. <laughs> Just paint How do you know? We don't know the origins of the red lightning port. What's he got? A little brush with a little bit of red on it. He goes, yeah, that'll keep, that'll keep Bono happy. That's called it, the lipstick version. It could have been the new lightning port for the supposedly lightning-only headphones. <sighs> red lightning McQueen port. Red light spells danger, Billy Ocean, anymore? No. Let's move on to iPad 10. Let's get, I, haven't, I haven't got a name for this one. Uh, this was a, a bit of an interesting story that cropped up on the radar today, that iPads in education are turning into an expensive disaster, according to a story from The Memo. Citing the report, they were supposed to be the future of learning. Now Apple is quietly letting some scores return them, no questions asked. For many schools, iPads aren't the future of education. They're a disaster. Uh, According to this reporter, in 2011 and 2012, he heard countless anecdotes of British schools investing in Apple tablets, outfitting students, teachers and sports staff with the two or three or four hundred pound devices. Some reports suggest that during these years, some 70% of primary and secondary schools in the UK bought tablets, many of them iPads, at a huge expense to schools. Unfortunately... There didn't seem to be much of a return on investment, and now they're trying to send them back. Now, what's interesting about this is the headline to say, and this is something I'll come back to my point in a second. The headline saying that iPads are turning into a disaster is then sort of undone by the former schools minister, Lord Jim Knight, who told the memo, unfortunately, too often that... Sorry, unfortunately, too often that procurement is spending too much money on the kit and not enough money on the content and next to nothing on the professional development of the teachers so that they learn how to actually teach them. That's the way we've got. Um, we've got what do they call them? I'm not sure if they call them academies or start. I'm not sure. But anyway, with this is tiny, this is um, primary education school down the road from me. Um, and I know one guy who's got a child in there and he they went for their um induction i'm not sure you know where they they, they showed the parents around this is the classroom where your kid will be operating and stuff like this and we have we have digit what's it digital digital whiteboards or something they call them um mm. and he said oh, we've got all this and we got all this and the guy went we don't know how any of it works but we've got it and he <laughs> said the guy wasn't joking the guy wow. they were honestly never trained on how to use this stuff and apparently at least in the U- Ooh, at least in the uk <laughs> you were like, what, what cramping me leg? Sorry, it goes. Apparently, uh, uh, 
the, what he what this guy was this teacher was telling them um, is this happens a lot. You get these really good initiatives or various initiatives, and they involve a lot of technology. But um, then virtually no training is actually given to the teachers on how they can utilize, and not just iPads, but the Google, the Google stuff and everything. They, so they have these wonderful schemes, which are funded sometimes by the government, some by, sometimes by parents, sometimes by both. And they get this stuff in, and uh, no one teaches the actual teachers how to teach with this newfangled technology. But what could you do? I mean, you know, I, I know... When, you, when you're going to use an iPad as an educational tool, so yeah, obviously yeah, ed- educational is you need to you need to consume and you also need to produce. Mm-hmm. And you know, 20, 2011, 2012, for example, taking the, the the date cited, the iPad was all about consumption. Yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah, that's what, that's when it first. Let's see, when did the iPad come out? So you. You, so I, I, you know, using it as a device you can put in front of a bunch of students and use um, uh, mirroring and that sort of thing onto, you know, via an Apple TV or something to to a, a huge telly in the room that could be quite handy that sort of thing. But then you, if you're going to do digital education, then in those days you would have needed a laptop. Mm. To, actually, to actually do the work, but I, where where I think they've, I think they're they're catching up now because because my the the headmaster at my kid's school loves tech. He he's a self you know self confessed self confessed tech head, and um, and what they do is they've they've uh, found a bunch of apps that the kids can. Yeah, the, the school will centrally manage the logon, for example, for a particular student. Then, when the kid gets home, they can log on to these apps and they can do, they can have homework set by their teacher that they can do at home on the iPad, and that that sort of stuff works really well. But give, giving giving iPads to every student in a class is, is not going to be the way forward. It's going to be all about the content. Yeah, not blanketly just giving here, here's an iPad, here's an iPad. How do I do it? What do we want me to do with it? I don't know, but you've got one. Uh, 2010 obviously came out, April 3rd, 2010. So, um, but I don't, is this a new problem? I mean, I remember when I was at school, we had, we had nothing, basically. We had a one BBC micro, if I remember correctly, in our lab. Barry, was that right? Remember? I think, yeah, but that, that was really funny because we had, I think by by the time I I did my um, my O level in computer studies, they they had um, they had a half a dozen dotted around the room. But for the for the vast majority of the first year, I took computer studies. The only computer we had in the room was on the teacher's desk, and he sat he sat on there tapping away all lesson. Mm. We're going, what 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 should we be doing? Exactly. The only reason I got into it because I wasn't in the toffs with Barry. I was in like the dregs (laughs) at the bottom. The um. So the only reason I got the only time I got to play on the machine was when our science teacher, uh, a Miss Mahoney, my uh, memory serves, she bought in a Spectrum, and we was all playing on that. And she was she taught us like some pretty basic code, like basic basic, obviously. And uh, and that was my introduction because I was not allowed to go into the room with the computers because obviously I was a thieving git from the cross <laughs> the council estate. Yeah, I'm not going to apologise for being clever, <laughs> just as well. 
I mean, look how you ended up. You worked for a big multinational and I worked for... Well, anyway, <laughs> we did work for a big multinational. I <laughs> <laughs> thought yeah, he can retire now and yeah. he's fine. Come next week, I've got a job, you ain't. So yeah. <laughs> I was going to talk to you about that, actually. <laughs> well, this is escalated quickly. Blimey. Yeah, well, well, I've, got, I've got a driving license. There you go. That's all you need. Um, I, uh... <laughs> until Google Cars come along or something. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, this is this is not a new story. I mean, I, I was always quite surprised when they started um, and jealous, to tell you the truth, when kids started getting iPads, these big racks of iPads, and I always thought, well, why didn't we just go with Google? You know, but then apparently, which is what I wasn't quite aware of, a lot of a lot of people in the know when it comes to technology were quite distraught that their kids were coming home with a Google account because they thought their kids were being spied on. Like Google, obviously, which is a link I would never associate, but apparently a lot of people did. Um, wow! So as soon as they pull it, it's, it's in, true. Yeah, as soon as they logged in on their system from home, they got Google got access to their all their information, IP address, and all that nonsense. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm I think it's one of the reasons why I'm sure the Google Chromebooks haven't really kind of taken off in the UK so much in schools. Because in, in the US, 75% of all Chromebooks sold is sold to the education system in the US. And, yeah, there it's huge. But over here, it's been very kind of, it's a bit kind of actual people have stepped away from it a lot more over here. Well, the thing with the Chromebook is that it's a laptop, isn't it? So there's that automatic comfort. There's that low yes. price point as well that people can just go, well, you know what? It's it's like what we keep saying about the tablet price. You can go out and you can buy a tablet and it will be cheap and it will be an okay experience. But then people will be going, well, why am I going to spend, you know, a couple of extra hundred dollars or pounds on an iPad when, well, well this but, is all right. This, or, this, or they get a bad experience. I understand that. Um, however, if you've got... Okay, so if, if we up until recently we used Google Documents for our show docs and everything, and they were okay. They were quite. They served the purpose. They didn't look nice or anything, but they served the purpose um, because we had to use them because there was really no alternative. You know, you could try and use Pages, but it's a bit of a pain to do it over shared. Um, and recently, we found something else to use rather than Google Docs, and the difference is amazing. It's just I always think that if you know, why are we? Why would you force kids to use something like Google Docs? Because uh, it's that's not different though. Because uh, Google Education is different, is it? Google, yes. Because uh, the only real connection I kind of have to this story is I, I do know someone, and I am associated with. Uh, you guys heard of a guy called Fraser Spears? He's the guy that yep. first brought iPads into a school in Scotland. It's a private school, and every kid is given an iPad when they start. And everything is done through iPad. So all the classes are all done through it. Their homework's all done through it. It becomes their iPad. Um, but everything they do, because what they first do is they set up a Google account, but it's Google Education that it's done through. So it's like Google Docs used to be when it actually worked on iPads and iOS devices and you know, properly, but it's a much, much cleaner interface to the one that we ever kind oh, of right. see on this side of it. That's okay. That's right. I mean, fine. If there's a whole subsystem of Google Docs that I'm totally unaware of because I'm no longer in school, thank God. Um, that's cool. That's much better then. Yes, uh, yeah, it seems to be where all the money went on the actual the Google Apps kind of basis. It went into the Google Ed. So Barry, how do they? How does um, like your child get homework now? Because I never used to do it, so I don't care. But I just wonder. 
so he he still gets um you know paper paper homework and so he's know, really moved on over the years since we left no, no, so he so they've they, it's a mix really so if it's if it's maths so he's got he'll get times table revision for example and then he'll get um so i think one of the apps is called uh, mathletics and there'll be here's your login here's your password and when you log in you'll you'll see the exercises that have been set for you by your teacher and they're the ones you have to do but then he also gets you know um make a monkey out of paper mache and hamster parts or uh you know <laughs> oh dear but it's yeah it's kind of hard to do paper mache on an ipad it's yeah so it's one Get a mix. They do get a mix of, of still get paper stuff, but get some electronic. It is, it is one of those things that I I admit I have, I have no idea about child education today. It's just beyond me. As far as I can tell, the ones I encounter after they leave school, they get very little education <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> I know. I certainly know they can't spell. <clears throat> well, I, I've I've noticed a, a, on a few occasions when. Uh, when a till breaks in a shop, and it, it's painfully clear that that you know, maths education in this country seems to be lacking. Yeah, it's 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 shocking. And what what's two pound forty plus one pound twenty? Oh, um, um, has anyone seen the calculator? You're joking. <laughs> oh well. See, we can, that's it. Now you need to play Victor Meldrew uh, music again. <laughs> We've strayed into the same area somehow. Actually, to be honest, these days, most of them don't know what a sodding calculator is. They'll look for their phone and so they can use the actual the calculator app on that. But if you show them a proper physical calculator, look, we don't, especially a scientific calculator. Although it's very easy, we shouldn't descend into slagging off children <laughs> or your yes, school leavers or screwing yes, or disgracefully. Um, just to come back to what Martin said, yeah, I've heard um, Fraser's, he's got, he's got his own podcast, hasn't he, called... Um, canvas yes, yeah, where they talk yeah. you know it, it, it it's a good podcast i just wish they would slow it down a little bit so i could actually you know take a breather because they come up with yeah, so many good hint, hints and tips uh so go check it out canvas really nice one it's got marco uh Feder, oh sorry Federico uh, yeah, Vitici yeah on it as well and it's a really good show and again it just shows that it's the opposite of what this story is about that yes you can chuck technology into any situation it doesn't necessarily make a situation better unless it's got a um unless it's got a use for it there has to be a plan to say yeah you can give people live plans but unless you know what you're doing and you use the right apps and this is what i was going to say it's about the right apps being used for the job like only now can i just about run my blog properly uh from an ipad which is quite ironic since we're just about to dump uh wordpress and go to squarespace so you get there at the end because sometimes it just takes too long for something to come along to uh to help you to facilitate that move um do we think that this is going to be a growing trend or is basically technology just going to force long schools to say look you know this is the way we're going we're entering into a post pc world is the eventual total cost of ownership going to be less than saying having a fleet of computers in school that when you buy them you know they've only got a certain lifetime because software outpaces the technology i would say quicker on a pc of let's say an average level uh, that it does. Let's go with an iPad. Sorry, I mean, that's kind of hard to answer, really, because 
if it's like a private school scenario, which is where a lot of the ones I've seen have that have totally embraced a full technology kind of basis for the schools, I would say on their sort of on their basis, because you know, they are getting money from the parents for the kids to go there and that sort of thing, and they get to dictate what that cash and fund goes to. I would say on their side, yes, it's beneficial. But on a comprehensive kind of basis with schoolings where yeah, they seem to be struggling just to buy books, never learn anything else, you know, for what they kind of get given by the government and stuff like that, and just to pay teachers in general. I don't know. It's one of those things that could easily, like, yeah, like in the bit, like Carl was saying, where yeah, they get they yeah, they're given the latest tech in the sense of kind of digital whiteboards and things like that, but then no, you know, no money is put aside for the education. If it's going to stay in that kind of scenario it's going to destroy itself before it gets a chance to really develop and become the norm. Yeah, it's just implementation. No matter what, it could be iPads, Google, it doesn't matter what the hell it is. If the implementation is not done properly, if there's not training for the teachers to learn these techniques and these new methods of you know teaching, you know, if, if the teachers don't like it, then they're going to fight back and, and just refuse to use it to train the children. It's, you know, it's just not, not every teacher wants to embrace technology it's like they're human beings you know some people love technology some people hate it and loathe it and are scared by it you know there's just as many facets of human you know humanity in teaching as there is in everyday life they're not like you know they're wonderful people for what they want to do what they want to spend their time doing but um they all each have their failings in, in in various areas of life and just because someone's got a contract to flood this school with iPads or Chromebooks. If the implementation is not there, if the advanced training is not there, it's just, they're just going to become doorstops and paperweights. It's just the same with anything. I mean, yep. it's just, that's just how it, it has to, things have to be implemented properly. And, you know, it's no good the local council suddenly going, oh, yes, we'll buy these, we'll spend £1.5 million with you on the, these things. Oh look, I'm off to Spain this year in a five star hotel. I wonder how that happened. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one point five million to get all the edu- all the actual tech that you need to put in there, and it's four hundred pound for the training. Oh well, let's do all the tech, and yeah. we'll leave the training. We'll oh, find some other way. Because Fred, that. Fred's good of them. He'll be able to teach everyone. Yeah. Well, you know what, guys? I think this is as good a time as any to step back, relax, kick back and get a drink and chill out with Nemo's Hardware Store. And after this, we'll be back with more Apple news, but we won't because we'll be talking about Google I.O. So, John, over to you. Four small and extremely useful accessories are here this week in Nemo's Hardware Store. Three of them come from a company called EasyQuest, and their website is easy to find. It's EZQ.com, or in the UK, you'd say EZQ. Com, right, fellas? The first one is the EasyQuest Mini Display Port to HDMI Adapter. You take one end of the tip and it goes into your Thunderbolt or Mini Display Port on your standard Macintosh. Then about six inches away is a housing for the female part, the input part of HDMI. So you could take an HDMI cable that you already own and you could slot it into the EasyQuest. HDMI adapter port, then you could use one of the HDMI settings on your super new television to stream directly from your computer to your digital TV. If you want to go straight from the computer 
to the TV and you don't want to use the adapter, you can use the mini display port to HDMI cable. It's exactly the same, except it's much longer. And at the far end is not the adapter for HDMI. It's actually a male HDMI tip. So the first one is about six inches long, mini display port to HDMI adapter from EasyQuest. And the second one is six feet long or 1.8 meter, the mini display port or Thunderbolt port to HDMI cable. Please go to their website and look in our show notes to see the links to these two products. I'll have the prices in a minute when I'm finished with my commentary. If you are lucky enough to own a brand new MacBook with only one USB-C port, whether or not you have one of the adapters for USB-C that we talked about a couple of shows ago, you will be interested in the EasyQuest USB-C to HDMI 4K cable. Again, a 6-foot, 1.8-meter cable with anodized aluminum sleeves, or you might say aluminium. If you go straight from USB-C, it's got the male USB-C tip at one end and the male HDMI 4K tip at the other end for going straight into your television. So all three of these cables will get you showing your content from your Macintosh, whether it's a traditional Thunderbolt mini display port on your computer or a brand new USB-C port on your computer. The final product is completely different. It's called the LAUT, that's the company LAUT, Power Dash 9.6 High Power 4 USB Port USB Car Charger. You plug this into what used to be called the cigarette lighter. Now it's called a 12-volt accessory adapter port or something like that. And it's got four 2.4-amp USB ports on it. So you can literally charge up to four full-size iPads on it at once. I can't imagine why you want to do that while you were driving. But you could certainly charge your camera, your phone, your iPad, whatever you happen to be needing power for while or after you're driving. LAUT Power Dash 9.6 High Power USB 4 Port Car Charger is exactly what you need. I've never seen one with four ports before. It has a nice uh, LED blue power indicator to let you know that it's actively charging. This one is going straight into my car and it is never leaving because often my wife wants to charge her iPad and I want to charge my iPhone at the same time. So the charging wars are over. And if anybody else happens to be in the back seat and wants to charge two of their devices, we can do that too. I don't always have use of a USB-C computer, but I definitely will use the mini display port to HDMI cable and adapter, the first two items, very frequently stream from my many computers to my one television. Here are the prices. The mini display port to HDMI adapter from EasyQuest is $25 in the U.S., the mini display port to HDMI cable, the long one, is $25 in the U.S., so that's pretty easy. Just get whichever one you need, depending on if you need a permanent setup or a temporary setup. The USB-C to HDMI 4K cable is $36 in the U.S., and the Power Dash 9.6 from Laut, L-A-U-T, is $30 in the U.S. So for not much money, you can have charging and viewing unlimited. Thanks for listening. Until next week. Thank you, John, once again for doing another Nemo's Hardware Store Roundup. And, of course, as I say every week, you'll be able to find links to all the products in the show notes or on the website at essentialapple.com. And you'll find our Amazon link where when you click on that, you purchase anything 
we get a very, very, very small amount of commission from whatever you buy. And starting from this week, the links will be geolocational again because it wasn't working. I worked out why. So if you're in the US or the UK and you click on our link, it will now take you to your country's Amazon store. So it doesn't cost you a thing to use our links. You don't need to tick anything. You don't need to uncheck anything or anything like that. Just simply shop for whatever you want to. As long as you use our affiliate link, you're helping to support the show. And John, thank you very much once again. So we're going to move completely away from Apple because Google I.O. happened uh, earlier on. Uh, with a couple of interesting things, I've got the two main things listed down here, guys. So if there's anything that I've missed, uh, you know, feel free to jump in at any time. Let's start with this one. Well, I love a low, of course I will. Really? Of all the will. things you don't get, it's suddenly an 80s sitcom. That's the reference point of... Oh. We had a lower low in Canada and the US. Really? Oh, was yeah. it, oh hang on. Was it the original a lower low? Was it some septic remake where they just put loads of canned laughter over the top? One. I don't think there ever was a remake of anything, was it? For a lower low? I still have. One day I'm going to go rewatch that um, a Faulty Towers remake that the Americans did. Ah, uh, see, I never saw that. I saw the original Faulty Towers, but I never saw the remake. So for those of you who don't know, Allo is a messaging platform somewhat similar to WhatsApp, iMessage, but with a data-driven twist. Allo monitors the context of your conversations, suggesting various replies based on a machine learning experience. So it's sort of like what Gmail can do or um, oh, any number of apps that will let you do an auto-reply some of the other features on there, uh, font sizes can be changed to shout or whisper. And the way you do that is to swipe up where the microphone could be, where the microphone is, uh, to change your font size. Which I don't know. I can as a UI feature. And bearing in mind it hasn't been released yet for me, that could sort of point towards someone opening up the app, doing an accidental swipe, and then going, "Ah, uh, it's broken. What have I done here?" But my point was what I was coming to eventually is. Is machine is machine learning going to work based on well, as we said earlier on, the type of people that are going to be using a messaging app won't even type a whole word. So instead of typing what, they type W O T. Well, it learns from you apparently. So based on how you respond, it will learn how you respond. Because some of the responses that they were doing in the demo, I was thinking, I don't talk like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's very hipsterish. I was thinking, oh god, don't, don't, don't spoil it with <laughs> spoil the presentation with this talking like the youths it's like us trying to be cool and down exactly. with the kids and, it, and I was thinking what are you doing stop stop it stop it why are you talking to people like stop it just stop 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 just talk properly am I the only one that was kind of thinking through that that oh Christ imagine what it's going to be like with the youth of the UK these days the way they talk exactly but um, it's 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 so I, I was quite shocked by this because I was watching it. I was watch, I watched the whole whole presentation, and um, I'm I'm looking. You know, I'm watching it. I'm thinking oh, this looks really trendy. You know, they're outside. It's no longer in a stuffy auditorium. They're outside, in you know, looks like some massive where gladiators should be fighting or something. They had that trippy thing at the beginning with those people playing those massive long cables and strings. I thought that was amazing, right? And I think you know that looks really new and hip and well done Google you're really like showing your your hipness off there 
and then you read <laughs> what people were actually saying about it who were there. And they were saying, we are dying in the heat. What's this noise coming from above my head? And they were totally underwhelmed <laughs> with what they were witnessing. And it was like a complete juxtaposition to how things normally are. Um, so here I was, like just relaxing in my comfortable bedroom, drinking a beer. Uh, and they didn't seem to be having a very good time. But, uh, and I was also quite shocked because, again, I thought it was quite, when I was watching it, I thought it wasn't the most stunning IO I'd ever seen because a lot of the stuff other people had already done and this was just Google's take on it. For example, they've got their, their um, answer to Alexia, Alexa, which is Google Home. I think it's, I think it's now the second Google Home that they've put out. Uh, well, they haven't put it out. They just showed it off. And it looked quite interesting. Now, hopefully, it being Google, they will just not do one vertical market, i.e. the US like Amazon does. They'll go out more horizontal. Also, maybe us in the UK can finally have a system like this in our home if you want to let Google actually into your home and control your lights and ask it questions and play music and stuff like that. I'll be quite interested to see how that pans out. But the uh, yeah, so Allo, <laughs> Allo is... It's basically just an iMessage or a Slack or a WhatsApp. It's just another Me Too thing. And it has got some unique features in it, like sliding to make it look like you're whispering or shouting. But that can easily, any, like WhatsApp could imitate that overnight, I can imagine. It's just a, a graphical, you know, it's a font size change. As far as, <laughs> it's nicely implemented, but there's no way that, you know, WhatsApp isn't going to copy it. Let's be honest, it's a gimmick. Well, it's just... They got a nice round of applause with it. But I was well, thinking, there wasn't however, that was different apart however from I just got to say, as a person who's just recently had to get glasses, I'm thinking, you're going to make the text smaller? Um, so that's all right. But apparently it works with your phone number as well. So it should work. Now, remember, it hasn't actually come out yet, and it was pretty hazy about some of the facts about it. It should work like iMessage. So if you're contacting another phone that has Allo in it, it will go through as a secure message. If um, it goes someone outside that ecosphere, it will, should pop over to become an SM, you know, a normal message. Uh, one of the good things about it is they're also drawing a line in the sand with the FBI because they're going to have a feature in it, just like Telegram. So again, they're just copying basically what Telegram have done is saying secure end-to-end -end encryption and it vanishes after a certain amount of time, which is exactly what Telegram was famous for when it came out. <clears throat> so how so, do you think the internal the internal announcement meeting went so it was a guy a guy stepped up and said uh um yeah and we're gonna call it hello and some guy in the room went oh what do you mean like hello hello he went no 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 i shall say this only once oh my <laughs> dear me sir oh come on <laughs> Um, I've lost my train of thought now. Damn it. Uh, now, the machine learning thing so is... So you're fun. now picturing Helga, aren't the you? Smart, hello, hello. The smart, yeah, the smart uh, reply stuff is good. Um, again, I'd I, I think they've really done it. So I'm all, I'd like to get two of these things talking to each other to see if they, what they can come up with amongst themselves. And, of course, they bring in the Google Assistant as well so you can start sharing. If you search for something, if you want, like, you know, I'm having a chat with Matt. And we're trying to come up with a pub we want to go and look at. I'll be able to search for pubs, say, around Covent Gardens. It should come up with all the search results so we can both see them and then we can pick one 
together sort of thing without having to go, oh, how about this one? How about this one? How about this one? So that's a nice feature. Um, but that was something... Where did I see that someone else had done that? Oh, sorry, that was Gboard as well. Gboard is offering that as well. So we haven't got Gboard in the UK yet. It's still US only. But um, I knew, yeah, I knew I'd seen it somewhere before. So that looks like that's being incorporated into Allo. So it's got a nice lot. It's got some nice little features in it. But again, um, it will well, not be the cherry full. picks. The kind of cherry picked lots of little bits from other, well, you have other to. people and kind of well, how much? put it into work, which, yeah, I mean, it, it's to. Google's version in essence to kind of Apple Siri, isn't it? Yeah, well, to iMessage. Well, yeah, but, I mean, they're going to incorporate as well, aren't they, into it as well? With well bits the thing pieces. is here is, other than the sort of machine learning replies, the, the sort of killer feature here seems to be searching in line with the app to share your results. Is that right? So right now, for example... <coughs> Uh, we've gone through Telegram, we've gone to Slack, we now use Quip. From what you've seen, is there anything for Hello to tempt you away from what you're using now? Or will you try it as a gimmick and then no, come back to what you know? It's it's tricky, isn't it? Because we have, so we, I have little clicks, I'll, I'll messaging clicks. So some people like my folks, I'll, I'll use iMessage because I know it's default. I don't, they will not install a chat program onto their phone, but iMessage is built in. So I know if I want to get in touch with my mum, my dad, I use iMessage. If I want to get in touch with Barry, I've got a number of different channels I can get in touch with him. If I want to get in touch with Matt, I've got Telegram, iMessage, and and Slack now as well. Then I've got other spaces now. Yeah, yeah, exactly, which I'm I'm just going to abandon because that just was, was, what a waste of time that was. But, um, (laughs) but, uh, and like, I've got other friends as well who are purely on, uh, Facebook Messenger. What we need to do, what I feel companies need to do is just like, you know, SMS was perfect. It was slow. It was expensive, but it worked for everybody. I, I, I really feel that these big companies, Facebook, Google, Apple, Microsoft, all of them need to come up with a standard and they can all build on this standard and all their chat programs have to interact with this standard. Because we're going into bloody silos again. We it's it's ridiculous. Or you, what you, you need is you need like a, a ring of Sauron kind of app, which yeah. everything just links into, and it doesn't matter what you're coming from. It all comes through that one point. Yeah, just like those you used to get those IRQ ICQ. Yeah, IC, chats, and they, uh, you ICQ could pull units, everything yeah. in. You could pull Yahoo, Yahoo message in. You could pull. Facebook Messenger in, you could pull all these various apps into one place and yeah. you'd have one app for all them all. Yeah, you'd, it would be intelligent enough to route back to various messages to the various people. At the moment, they're all trying to say, use us, use us, use us. Look, we're better. We've got this, we got that. When they really should be learning to all work together because. It's ridiculous if you've got yeah, a Google but phone. Silicon got, Valley won't have the darling companies it can buy out. And but, they're be, not, but this is a situation where they're not thinking of the end user. They're thinking of themselves. Of course not. Thinking, there's no, no but money there's, in the end user. There's any money to be made out of data and this, knowing what we're up to and everything all it like takes, that. But all it takes is two. Let's look, let's look at it this way. Say Apple and Google decided to do an app where they were going to share all the, all the telecommunication stuff going. Right then, all they'd have to do is say, "Look, Facebook, it's be very easy for you just to link in. Here's an API. You link into it, and that's it." If they had those three big boys on the block, 
then it will be very hard for anyone else to offer anything alternative because everybody, virtually everybody, is covered. With Good Facebook, question. Google, or, or Android, I should say, and, uh, and, and your iOS. And then you could like, expand out. You, know, you can have the Google desktop version. You can have the Mac version. You can have the Windows version. I, it's just, I just don't like it. They keep introducing all these various things. Like, like Matt will tell you. Barry will tell you. I, as soon as a new messaging app comes out, that's it. I want to try. I'm creating an account. I'm sending out invites. They go, oh, for flip's sake, he's got a freaking other one. And uh, you know, we use it for a couple of days, and it's gone. It's discarded. I think I now have a page on my phone which is just full of these damn apps. That's all there is on there. He's just all these. Oh, here we go. We got Grumpy Barton. He doesn't like to to install an app, does he? He's he's right. You know, it's great that they've done one. It's all because of Carl. It's great that they've done one, but let's not forget they also had Google Voice. They also had Hangouts. They've also had uh, another messenger. We really need. That's one of the things I'm disappointed with this because Google Voice seems to have lost a lot of its support recently. And I can see this killing it completely. Well, wasn't Google Voice depreciated? Uh, I think we said on a, a show a couple of weeks ago, where it's basically the death knell has been rung for. I mean, yeah. But it, no, it, again, again, it was only America only. That was another reason why. It, you know, yeah, but I mean, I used it all the time, Google Voice. I, I really actually really enjoyed it because I could use it as a Google Voice number that I pushed out across my mobiles. Sure, I'm sure you could. Great for you. But if you're in UK, <laughs> you couldn't use it. So what's the point? <laughs> you got to stop thinking. That Silicon Valley is the only place on the planet. I mean, well, no, uh, I used it here. I used it in the US and I used it in Canada because my Google Voice number worked across exactly. them all. Of course it did. And you could get one in the UK, but you had to hack it a little bit and it wasn't worth it. I didn't see the point. But, um, and, uh, you know, and then we come on to Duo. Duo is basically Google's FaceTime, but it looks like they have not run into the same issues that Apple had where someone won a court case against them, so they couldn't roll out the API to anybody else. Um, so Jiro Give it looked, time. Sorry? Give it time. Well, give it time, maybe, but the, you know, if they hang around, it's, it's a great service. But there, there is one thing that I do wish they'd said in the presentation, was that people can only use that feature if they're in your contact. So Google uh, Duo won't become like chat roulette all of a sudden. Well, that's a bonus, isn't it? Mind you, the thing, yeah, I guess that's a, that's a big bonus. But yeah, you'd have to work like that, though, wouldn't it? You'd have to. You don't want strangers calling you out the blue on a video chat. That's... Actually, did it say if it would do multiple recipients at once? No, just one to one. Yeah, I thought it was. I mean, are there any? I mean, the feature here for me is apparently they've really cranked how it deals with degradation of going from Wi-Fi to three G. And I'm going to say, at times. Uh, my iPhone and a FaceTime call has done it pretty well. I've, I've not been able to get it to uh, be seamless, but every now and again, I'll be talking, like for example, I was talking to Carl the other week on FaceTime audio, and it just seemed to work brilliantly switching from uh, my Wi-Fi to 3G. And if they can crack that, where you're on a call and above everything else, it maintains an audio quality instead of a mixture of audio and video quality, uh, then I could be sold on it. Because, Carl and me, we've tried uh, an app called Wire last week, thanks to Srenak for the mention on that one. And that wasn't bad, but I don't know. It just all seemed to be this thing where, yes, you might get a better audio experience, but we just end up coming back to Skype for whatever reason. Well, that's because everyone, everyone knows it. Everybody knows what Skype is. So even, even laymen know what Skype is. They've heard of it. So it's just, Plus it kind of works to an extent. Yeah, everyone's just got lazy and they've fallen back on it. And, 
you know, it's just one of those things. You just use Skype or at least podcasters use Skype all the time. Uh, we maybe shouldn't rely on it so much, but we do. Do you think Duo is going to solve the problem of the resistance of doing uh, video calls? No. Because nope. some people just don't want to do it. Some people just do not want to do video calls because they don't want you know, to look, not look their best all the time when they're on camera. It's crazy to me. I don't care what I look like when I'm on camera. But some people do. We know. There's yeah. always this thing, yeah, isn't there, where just... like... Sally, you don't give a rat's bum, do I? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but some people are finicky about how they look. And it's, you know, it is good if you're, if you're like, if you're a parent and you're away from your children, you can like video call them and they can see you rather than just some disembodied voice on the end of a crackly line. It's wonderful for those situations, I'm sure, if you're missing your loved one and you want to get up to some <laughs> naughty video phone sex or something. I don't know. But uh, so I, I did hear this on another podcast where it seems to be if they do a knock, they have to impress you or I'm going to hang up on you. It's like, look at me. I've got tickets. Look at me. I've got engaged. You don't just see some guy slumping up in a chair going, all right, mate, what are you up to? Well, you will when real people get it and it's not a production video. Of course so you the will. The first one you get from Carl, it will. Yeah. Answer that frigging phone. Well, I won't be saying frigging, but answer that mm, phone. Will we'll you? be trying to get hold of Matt to see where he is for the podcast. It, seeing what he's returning that week. <laughs> I think I'm going to buy it this time. Wow. No, I think maybe maybe time to let that one go, shall we? That's what <laughs> he says when he gets the stuff. Maybe time oh, to let oh. this thing go. <laughs> Barry, have you got anything to, uh, have you got any thoughts on Duo? Are you a FaceTimer or a WhatsApper or a video chatter at all? Or do you just prefer the good old fashioned rotary dial telephone? <laughs> made a baker light <laughs> well yeah i mean you know being when when you're of my age you were uh, no um so i i've facetime on on the ipad now and again but on my phone it's yeah I, you know, here's here's my nostrils <laughs> enjoy you know I, i'm not going to walk around holding my phone up. although although i have to say i did see my first um what my first uh phone face plant and it was it was she didn't hurt herself but oh, i was so funny so in 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 canary wolf um some of the bits where you've got you've got little mall bits and there's shops and everything and they've got low benches and this woman is walking and she's just looking at her phone and she just oh, <laughs> walks oh. straight into this bench and went spang <laughs> Oh, she didn't like I say. She didn't hurt herself, but she, you but, laughed, and that but, probably oh wounded her God. mentally. Every it took everything I had not to laugh out loud, and I, and yeah, I, I sort of a couple of people who were closer than me sort of picked her up and said, "Are you okay?" She said, "Yes, I'm fine." Um, oh, I'm a little bit embarrassed. I said, so you should be, Mrs. <laughs> Oh, I've only ever seen that once, and that was if you know Milton Keynes in Milton Keynes Central, right in the middle of it, there's a big open area, and they've got a fountain in there. And there's a ledge going around the fountain. I have seen someone walking along, so engrossed in their phone, they've walked into the ledge, fallen forward, and fallen into the fountain. Wow, that's special. And all they were concerned with was the fact their phone went in as well. 
Well, because it, it soaked hit, head to toe. It hits that's little, what they were concerned with. It hits those little watermarks, and Apple won't change it. <laughs> the best thing is about this: it's going to be multi-platform. It it could be interesting. It's me. It's hello. Two platforms. Oh, iOS and Android, that's it. Not, not. But it's multi-platform. I mean, it is multi, yes, technically. Yeah. Or no duo Windows. platform. It's duo platform, duo platform, not multi. Blimey, we really have become grumpy old men today now picking up. Well, the grammatical syntax of that isn't quite no, right. I just feel sorry for the poor old Windows users left out again, that's all. Well, with their 1% market share. Ah, uh, but as I said, 1% of 7 million Yeah, no, people. that is true. It's... Yeah, I would. I, I, I was going to ask people, a question. I, I was going to ask a question, and they're saying, "What is um, BlackBerry's market well, share?" But you lot will only tell people. me just to blooming Google it. Yeah, it's more one percent of those twenty people. <laughs> well, they didn't help themselves, did they? At the start, by saying, "Oh, all the devices will get Windows 10. Then they said, "No, it won't." And then they said, "We're going to have some hardware was it ACLs or um, hardware compatibility." Where you know we we're going to have a minimum standard. Then it went no, we won't, uh, and that's when it all went wrong. Anyway, let's not let's not diss the Microsoft at the moment. We're on about Google. Anything? Did anyone get anything else from the Google I/O? Was there anything else really worth mentioning? We I think we've covered the oh. Alexa clone again. I was. I'm so prone now, right? To to um, looking at various <laughs> twitters and blogs and stuff like this after an event, after an Apple event. And it's always the same. Oh, that was boring. God, that was tedious. That was blah, blah, blah. Just went, this is the first time I'd seen the Android group do the same thing to an IO. And it's kind of weird because I heard someone today who I greatly respect as a, as a writer and stuff saying it was one of the most tightest um, in-depth um, demonstration of what Google had planned. And, and I'm thinking, I'm oh, watching the same event you because what no because it was okay it was like they showed a lot of me too stuff granted um some of the end stuff looks interesting but i'll never get to see that because i haven't got a, a google phone but yeah but have, carl have you watched many of the other yeah google i always watch i always google okay. yeah absolutely because there's always something for apple people in there because mm. you know let's face it at the end of the day google is still a services company they might make oh, yeah, they might make their hardware so and they need, they still need the Apple market because, you know, we search for things, we buy things, and and it's still, I don't know how this is still the case, but apparently people who own Apple stuff still buy far more than, than Android users. Um, you know, that's a stat that keeps coming up again and again and again. So, if you know, Google's trying to share adverts and sell adverts to various clients. They need or they want the the Apple Apple customers out there, so they got like extend at least a hand towards us. And I still go back. I re- I really wonder how things would be different if back in the day, st- uh, Steve Jobs and mm, Larry Page hadn't fallen out. Was it Larry Page? Was it the other guy? You know, over the whole Google uh, iOS Android thing, where you got most upset saying that Google was copying iOS. Yeah, I think it was Larry. And, wasn't uh, it? Yeah, because in the old days of, of of iPhone, of course, all the Google services were slap bang there. Like YouTube had its own app, and mm. everything was there, and they were best buds. And of course, as soon as they started developing Android, that all went out the window, and they went off into their own little camps. And and like Steve supposedly said, we want to it'll be thermonuclear war and all this. And I still to this day just believe that us 
the users, we're the ones that suffered for that. Not necessarily the companies. They just went on to make more and more money, whereas we got more and more isolated services. Well, yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah exactly. there is no denying. No, that. no that's, exactly that's exactly what happened. So it's just it's a shame. I, I, I've always wondered what happens in that alternative universe where they stayed mates. And what the state of play would be then. Right, champs. Well, we are running a little bit long, so let's just get things going and move on to Worth a Chirp. So, who's going to volunteer to go first this week? In fact, we'll go with Carlos, you did yours first. Do you want to give your Worth a Chirp? Okie dokie. So this one, you can't actually buy it yet, but it is coming out late this summer, I think it is. It's $49 at the moment. It's only available in the US. But I'm sure they'll find some distributor over in the UK. And it's called the Greenlight Dash Mount. So what this is, is it's a dash mount, obviously, <laughs> clues in the title, for your, for your mobile device. And it also comes with a bit of software as well. And what it will happen is it will sit on your dash, powered up through this cigarette lighter and it just records your driving and what this is for is a lot of um, cars in Russia have this apparently which is how we catch meteors going across the road and crashing uh, and all it is it's for insurance claims and things like this so if you're out on the road and something transpires in front of you this thing is always recording and with a tough of a button you can send this data up to a cloud and then pull it back down if you ever need it for insurance purposes uh, now, a few of these already exist in the App Store, but they just have to be on and running all the time. This one will allow you still to play your music and get Google, um, like get um, driving instructions, and things like that. Uh, but it's always watching what's ahead of you and what's transpiring and recording it. And for a sheer like $50, that's, that's wonderful because... You know, doing the job I do, where I basically drive around in London all the time, I've seen I've seen so many things. Like, there's a law in this country where if you shunt someone from behind, it's basically your fault, your 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 odds. And if they've reversed into you, it's very hard for you to prove that that's what happened because your all the damage on you is at the front, all the damage on them is at the back. If you've got it on camera, I had them slamming their reverse lights on and coming straight at you and say, "Well, sorry, mate." And it's no good. They can't snatch your phone because it's already gone into the cloud. So it's a good backup thing. And it, it syncs with your, your Dropbox or Google Docs or, you know, a number of various iCloud or cloud devices, services. And it looks really handy. It's a nice little magnetic clip. Like I say, works with an iPhone, but doesn't have to be an iPhone. It can be an Android too. And uh, it will be out later this summer. If you want to go and check them out, it's greenlight.life is their... Um, the url but a link will be in the show docs i'm sure so uh check them out just carl thanks for i took a look at that and it does look fairly interesting the brilliant thing is we uh we don't have many cars around this area so i'd just be taking videos of the scenery barry you've got an interesting pick yeah yeah it, it, i know it's it's um it's unrelated to anything apple but it's something that I think it's just awesome. So today, the 25th of May, is Towel Day <laughs> as a tribute to Douglas Adams, who obviously wrote Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, people are carrying towels with them. 
because a, a towel is the most massively useful thing an interstellar hitchhiker can have. It may. Well, I'm trying. I'm trying to remember it off the top of my head. It's. Uh, it may be. Uh, it may be used to ward off noxious fumes, or avoid the gaze of the ravenous bug bladder beast of trial, a mind-bogglingly stupid creature. It assumes that if you can't see it, it can't see you. Daft as a brush, but very, very ravenous. <laughs> as you may know, as you may have realised that I listen to the audiobook a lot. So where's your towel? Uh, it's in my bag. <laughs> <laughs> I See, got I've got in... mine here. I've got mine here with me. Oh, it's not. It's not in my room with me. But I've got. I've got a jumper I could perhaps use. See, something could happen, and you could have to stick your thumb out to thumb a lift, and you need your towel with you if you're going. <laughs> it's in a different room. You've got to go and hunt for it. I know. I'm taking a risk. Sorry, but anyone that hasn't seen Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is going to get none of any of this. If there is anyone who hasn't seen Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, go and watch see. it, or read it, and hear it now. Yes, definitely. But what would you recommend? Would you recommend the remake with Stephen Fry? No. no. <laughs> go and seek out the original one. Do the original radio show, or the BBC original. Yeah, that's something about that one. The original kind of one that was done. Originally, as a radio show, you can get it now as an audio book, or you can actually get it as an original BBC download audio. Do that, that one, and definitely get the book as well and read the book. As a last resort, yeah, watch the new version. But that well, really I mean, is a last resort. The, the TV show, the original TV show, was was really good, but it, unfortunately, it is very dated. Oh now. God, yes, but that's, that adds to the charm, I find. Yeah, I'll go next. Uh, I've got the technology technology bull poo generator. Climb your way up that corporate ladder faster with our bull poo generator. Sound like a technology industry professional with the bull poo generator? We can help you create. Basically, this is a website that takes all those horrendous marketing and synergistic phrases and comes up with a random statement. It's a uh, just good and i've actually used this today in a couple of emails because i just really couldn't be bothered uh trying to write something worthy of a reply to someone my other pick is that there is now a new apple music student membership so ironically after we spent half of this show having to go at the youth uh it's just coming into my inbox now that apple have done this um a new apple music student member starter kit where it's now four dollars ninety nine per month it's for college students only verification requires a membership auto renews monthly after the free trial which is available to new members only and that's also going to be in the show notes so last but not least then matt what are you your what are your picks this week okay so the first one that i've got is an app which is called lookout now Uh. basically (laughs) all right give it its full title is Lookout, Security, Backup, and Missing Device. Yeah, right. Um, it's completely free. So it's on the, the Apple on the it App should Store. Be. <laughs> it's bloody useless. I, really? If you, do you think it's useless? Yeah, it's I, never once worked for me. Then you must have it set up wrong, because nope. it works fine for me. It absolutely set up. Worked on the first day, never worked again. Really? Yep. You need to look at your settings, no, I think. No. Um, like I said, I, I've used, I've been using it for a couple of weeks now. And basically, what this is, it's an app that goes on your phone, and it's an app that goes onto your Apple Watch. 
And when your phone gets too far out of range, the, the watch will kind of signal and it will kind of tell you you're coming out of range. And if you really need to find your phone or anything, you can tap a button on the watch and it makes the phone start to scream. And the same basis, it works the other way around as well. So if you're on the phone and you need to find your watch, it will do the same thing and make it scream so you can find them. That's what it's doing. I, That's the scream. Yeah. I use it mostly, to be honest, because because of the motorbikes, I use my my actual phone locked into my actual bars on my bike with like GPS signal and that kind of stuff from there. Um, and then if I get off the bike and I don't think to actually disconnect my phone and I walk away, when I get a certain range, my watch will then go off to remind me that I've left my actual phone behind. Never. And that's what I use it for mostly. Never happened to me. What, you've never left it behind or it's no, never worked? I, I always leave it behind because I leave it in a van and I go wandering. I've never received one message saying you've left your phone behind, apart from when I tested question. it. Have you still got the app running in the background? Yeah. In fact, now, now my phone is right next to my watch. The watch is saying out of range. You need to adjust your sensitivity. No, I don't. Seriously, um, if you go into the app on the phone, um, go into the cog, and oh, no, I know, I know exactly. I know how to do it. It's okay. It's just never, ever, ever worked for me once. Yeah, see, I use it all the time, and I've had no problems with it from day one. Okay. So, so okay, I would recommend it. Looks like Carl wouldn't. So, no. it's free. Take it. Give it a try. See what you think. Uh, and my second one, this is this is a little bonus chirp. And this is basically for any bikers that are out there and for Baz as well, because I know Baz also rides. And now he's kind of going into, you know, taking his retirement from Bartlett's and he's suddenly got all this money. I might as well recommend something for him that he can go and blow some money on. Um, if he doesn't want to upgrade and get a new bike, then he might as well get some bits for it instead. Now, what this is, this is a HBC 200 Force Bluetooth Hemlet communicator so a bit of a mouthful but basically what this does is it connects to your helmet it's really easy to connect to your helmet and it basically means that through bluetooth it will bluetooth to your phone so if you're using it for phone calls as you're on the bike or for gps or anything like that all those messages will come through and what you have the speakers go into your helmet and they have the mic built into the speakers. So there's no boom mic or anything like that, which you find with a lot of these kind of headsets, and incorporates into that. And as an extra bonus with it, it's also a, um, a telecom, intercom system. So if there's a group of you and you all have them, then on a standard range, it will do four. But what happens is each person in that line, as you get further apart, you become a bridge to each unit. So the most I've done it with has been 10 of us. And we've all been able to talk, even though there's been like a two-mile, two-and-a-half-mile range difference between Rider 1 and Rider 10, we've all been able to speak to each other either singly on single channel, which is just one-to-one, or to group channel, so everyone can hear. Wow. So it's like um, a bit of a mesh network. Yeah, it, that's kind of the principle of the word. It's a military kind of tech that's kind of incorporated into everyday kind of life, where it is the actual military kind of yeah, telegraph mesh unit. And great units, really small, really fast to kind of charge, and you can have it on your helmet. And, I mean, I use mine quite a lot on my bike because I link it to my phone, so I use it when I'm actually traveling around. And if you're using it on the comms as well, then, again, it works great with that. 
and you could easily get three or four days out of it before you need to recharge it. And it's super fast to recharge as well when you do need to recharge it. So obviously pricing-wise is $219.95 US, but you can pick them up on eBay for $138.95. And that's a single unit one, or you can get a double unit pack, which is even cheaper. Cool. Does that have have any other brands or does it have... Sorry, Barry, I'll cut you off then. That's right. I think it looks like a good idea, but I think think your question was going to be the same one as my one. Is it, does it, does it have to, does it have to be on the same? Yeah. Does all these have to talk on the, all be the same manufacturer or can they, can they talk to other Bluetooth devices? Um, I think they can talk to other Bluetooth devices, but you won't get the full linkage on the telecom point right. because they've been on the same frequency range point. Uh, but I'll be honest, I've only yet, we've only tried it where it's all been the same units. Okay. Cool. Looks interesting. Hmm. Well, I think that's a show then, gents. Uh, all that, well, first of all, let me just go back to the thing about the feedback. So I didn't realise it's such a pain in the backside to leave feedback for a podcast. Because if you're subscribed to this show in the podcast app, there's no actual way to leave feedback if you're subscribed to it. So if you like the show, if you liked what we've been talking about, or even if you don't, if you want to leave us a review, please do, because we actually we read them all out on the show. And even better, we try and get Matt to read them out, which is always a good 10 minutes of entertainment. To leave a review, what you need to do is this. Open up your podcast app, but don't go into the show if you subscribe to it. What you need to do is in the bottom right-hand side of the podcast app, click on the search. Type in Essential Apple, and when it comes up, you need to click on the artwork that will then take you into an iTunes page and at the top you'll see details reviews and related fully enough click on reviews bingo bango you can write a review and rate us as well it's pretty ridiculous you can't actually re- re- yeah, review a podcast when you subscribe to it you've got to search for it and then review it but hey I don't know I, f- I think that's along the lines and when you have an egg you place it in your mouth and you start to suck it, and that's how you <laughs> suck eggs. <laughs> People know how to do the reviews. Come on, do they're they? Just, they're just saying? not doing the reviews. Do they? Come so on. that's all right. Then look, make make Mark feel happier, and please give us a review out there. We know, we know, we know you're out there. We can see some stats, so we know you're listening. We know where you were going with that. We know where you're listening. In fact, when we move to our no site, we'll know your IP address. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So no, I retired. We'll, we'll. This is what I'm saying. So we'll just be on that other side. We'll be on the Google side. We'll have all the information we need. We have a retired network engineer, and we're not afraid to use him. <laughs> and we know we have at least a dozen uh, a dozen listeners and only 11 of you have left feedback. So what one of you out there isn't pulling your weight? Eh? Eh? I'll, 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 if we get more than two reviews next week after that, then Carl, you're going to have to eat a hat or something like that. Why me? You, you were the one who said people know how to leave a review. They do. I, my, my show had loads. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Can someone take over the show? Because I feel a bit winded from that low blow. <laughs> oh, it was there. I had to take the shot. All that remains. All that remains now is for us to find out which hospital Carl will be in. <laughs>
when he yeah, like I could, I'm about half of his size and half of his weight. I've I've bumped into when I got sent across the blimmin' floor. <laughs> right, anyway, gents, it's been a pleasure. Let's get this show wrapped up because people are probably bored of us by now. All that means for me to ask is, gentlemen, how can we get a hold of you? Let's start from the start, then, Mister Barry, gentlemen, how can people get a hold of you should they wish to? I am uh, Womblefoot on Twitter. And Matt, if people want to follow you, or you around to see what receipts you're finding out for your next return purchase, how are they going to get hold of you? Uh, best place to get hold of me is on Twitter as well, and it's MustangMatt69. Or in the refunds line, any Apple store in London, probably about once or twice a week. And finally, Mr. Madden, how can we get a hold of you, good sir? Uh, get a hold of me on Twitter at Clausio101. I'm also on this most recent episode on the My Mac show again. In fact, this time, Mark, they said next time they'll have to get you on instead of me as it's your show now. So no, no, no. I, plug I, your own show. I don't have the soapboxing ability that you do. You and Guy have a special, special... I was Gaz. Guy Ga- Ga- oh, was away Gaz. this time. I was on with Gaz this time. It was. It's a little bit like a more laid-back Donald Trump and Dave Cameron. <laughs> you bugger. <laughs> which one's which? <laughs> that one is up to your imaginations. Oh, you talk about low blows. God <laughs> dear me. And then tomorrow yeah, that's I'll, beyond low. Tomorrow I'll be in the Regent uh, Covent Garden Apple store as well. All right. Okay then folks, right, that's it for a show today then. Right, you can find the show on iTunes, TuneIn, Opinion, RSS, Feeds, Overcast, Google Play, and a direct download. Don't forget, we've also got the Facebook page, the Twitter account, and the Google Plus account, and a YouTube account, and maybe even that Amazon Instant Video thing whenever I've got whenever I can get the artwork finished off for our channel. So if you like us, there are plenty to plenty of ways. Oh, I do have some feedback which I've only just remembered, so we'll cover that next week, which is left in our um, uh, which is left in our Facebook page. So until next time, next week, same bat place, same bat time. We'll see you soon. Cheerio, everyone. Ta-ra. See ya. Bye. Did you guys get anything sorted out about doing your Tesla drive? We haven't actually seen each other, to be honest, since last week's show. So it's very much a work in progress. Well, it's it's up to Matt to actually do something about this, so I'm, I'm guessing never would be the time frame but he's got to prove me wrong really well don't prove me wrong once i'm at the point where i can drive again which at the moment i still can't you ain't got to drive you just got to put your name on and then let me drive and then if i have a crash it's in your name hey if i'm signing up for it to actually take do the test drive and take it out then i'm driving it okay if you want to drive it you go in and you book it to do it no it's all right i'll just nick your thing i'll just kick <laughs> you out halfway through the test drive it's fine <laughs> going across tower bridge would be a perfect place it's going to be a fair old test of its load-carrying capability <laughs> with two massive giants oh, in the car, isn't it? Yeah. Harsh. Well, I, mean, what, I mean, what's the size of the Tesla? And it's going to try and get to try and get the pair of you in it. I mean, just for the engine, just for the um, engine, just for the listeners, how tall are you both? Well, I'm six seven, but uh, yeah, I'm six five. Okay. Perfectly normal heights. I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Shorty. You it's the problem. Yeah, exactly. Running around, getting under our feet, tripping us up, bloody hobbits. <laughs>